Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real Housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and you're very welcome back for another brand new episode. Hope you enjoy the bank holiday weekend and, you know, the onset of spring or summer, whatever we're calling it. The seasons are starting to blur together, if I'm being honest, but we do have lots of great Housewives on our way. This week we've had the return of Atlanta. We've got Beverly Hills coming up very shortly. Really not that long until Dubai is back. And we saw this week that BravoCon 2022 is happening, and I'm already wondering... Should I just get a press pass and, and make the journey to New York because I want to be where the people are <laughs> in the Chavez Center. <laughs> but I can't lie, it definitely uh, does seem appealing. And I've had friends who've gone to the last one and they've raved about it. So I think I might, I don't know, I don't know. I'm putting it out there. We'll see, we'll see. But anyway, today we have a great guest for you chatting all things Real Housewives. And we get into food and drink and how the shows celebrate that. And also how they've influenced us in what we eat and drink, which actually... I hadn't considered until I had this chat and now I've realised, wow, they really do. I'm chatting to Ali Dunworth, who is a food writer and also a food stylist. So she's got a lot of experience with food in all senses. Um, she is also a newcomer to the Housewives world, but she has watched a lot in the last while. So I think you're going to really enjoy her food perspective and her Housewives perspective. So here it is without any further ado. It's Ali Dunworth on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a food and travel writer who's written for outlets like the Irish Times and the Sunday Business Post, and she's a massive fan of The Real Housewives. Ali Dunworth, welcome to Housewives and Me. Hi, Connor. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. We're going to talk about food and housewives in a bit, which I'm very excited about because it's an angle on these shows that I'm always fascinated by. But first, let's let's lay the groundwork here. How did you actually get into Housewives? So I'm one of the newer housewives devotees and I know you've had plenty of them on because so many of us fell in love with them over lockdown. Mm. But my gateway in was Selling Sunset. Oh. So I had two friends, Audrey and Paul, who were just like watching Selling Sunset. Now we would have all been Love Island fans as well. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, you have to watch this. And I watched Selling Sunset and I was like, I love it. I want more LA. Yes. And then Audrey suggested you have to watch Beverly Hills Housewives and I was like absolutely so I started on that and I was hooked from the beginning. That's interesting because in my head Selling Sunset is like post Housewives but obviously yeah. when you're when you're coming from like like middle of lockdown and just need anything actually there are no rules so it's interesting that they sort of feed into each other. I love like I love TV and I watch lots of it so it's hard sometimes to like fit everything in so I just never I just don't think I had the channels for Housewives when it was on mm-hmm. um, so I never watched it originally but when I started watching it then I was kind of obsessed with how much it's affected lots of the other stuff I've seen in the last like decade so you kind of realize like what a huge um impact it's had on like say Sound Sunset like that would have come from that I'm sure yeah that's so true that like it's actually been like really influential I know it's like it's like when you listen to a band who had an album out 15 years ago and you realize all your favorite bands reference them you're like oh I see yeah (laughs) I like I was thinking back to like kind of like Laguna Beach and then the hills and then Mm. the OC and then obviously that led on to the Real Housewives of OC and I suppose I only discovered that path once I started watching it but obviously that's been like talked about and discussed many times sort of the timeline of the shows yeah it's it's crazy how they all they're interconnected so let's let's you've actually watched quite a few shows because you sent me over what shows you've delved into in the the last couple years so let's start with Beverly Hills I believe you've watched 
all of it. So what is it that you like about the show and how did it evolve for you as a viewer going from season one up until now? I did watch it all except for I skipped. I think it was season four that had like Joyce or someone else in it. I'm not sure. I definitely skipped there's a season or two you can skip of Beverly Hills, if we're being honest. Yeah, but I didn't trust myself. So like I Googled it and looked it up. And you know the way it has all the like rankings online. And it was like, if you want to skip a season, you can skip these ones. So I did that. But I kind of, I fell for it straight away. I just love the kind of opulence of it. And like it was glamorous sort of from the beginning. And I think yes. that the way that it's adjacent to Hollywood is always exciting because you're kind of wondering who you're gonna get a glimpse of or like they like to drop in names um and just I suppose a lot of the places you see are familiar and you kind of feel like you know Beverly Hills a little bit um so it's good I just loved watching it I loved like like in the first season Lisa Vanderpump was obviously like fascinating television I know you've talked to loads of other people about how she sort of embodies that like dynasty Dallas sort of look and she's Mm -hmm. sort of what you think someone is going to be like when they live in Beverly Hills. That's so true and it's interesting what you're saying about our familiarity with it as a place even though when you I think people who live there are like oh you know it's all really spread out and very few very few of them actually live in Beverly Hills but it's like it's like a bit like how we have a sex and city version of New York in our heads we think we know the TV version of Beverly Hills so the show I think does play off as it is a soap it plays off of our familiarity from 90210 and Dallas and Dynasty and these other shows like it definitely nostalgia is weirdly at the core of that show even when they bring in an actor who you would have seen on tv for years and not known their name but they're suddenly a real housewife you're like oh my god this is all very familiar exactly and i i would have loved like 90210 the original one and then i watched the more recent one. Oh, same and, i loved the recent one <laughs> like i'm totally like and i'm totally basic in that i will watch anything that's based in like the hills beverly hills la and yeah, anything yeah. that's based in new york because like it's you grew up in the 90s thinking that was just the epitome of like glamour and excitement that's where everything great in the world happened so I think we still carry even though we know better than that now that America is not all it's cracked up to be but like we still have that inbuilt obsession with it I think yeah for sure and who are some of your I mean you mentioned LVP there but you've watched I mean it's what 12 10 plus seasons at least of Beverly Hills really like who are the ones that you like and who are the ones that you're like, mm, you know what, I've had enough of them now? I really, I did really like LVP at the start because I loved the whole foolishness of it and like the style and the pink and the glamour. And I, but then obviously we got sick of her. Like I, I did love her confessionals, like her pieces to camera because she really played on that, like kind of, I don't know, the English humour, like the Benny Hill sort of carry on sort of stuff. And that, I think worked well with the rest of the girls who were so American. But I always liked Kyle. I know not everyone's a fan, but I kind of like that she's gotten more confident over the years. Like she is the queen bee and everybody kind of wants to be friends with Kyle, whether they like her or not. I think they think it's in their best interest to be, to have Kyle on their side. And then I loved, I actually loved Eileen. I miss her. I wish we had more. I wish we had more Eileen. I don't know why she never stuck around. Well, part of it was apparently she was one of the highest paid housewives ever because she came from a oh. big daytime soap. And I think they kind of went, we like you, but like we're paying you a lot of money. I was like, oh. I loved how they brought in her and Lisa because that was really what we were there for. Like we were in Beverly Hills. We wanted a bit of Hollywood. And I know there were soap actors, but like I would have watched a bit of those shows back in the day when you were in college. 
a bit of um, Young and the Restless or mm. Sunset Beach actually was the one I used to watch. Do you remember that one? Vaguely, yeah. I, like, I feel like I have memories of just catching an episode on like a sick day from school and being like, this is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it was it was very much like you weren't in college that day. You would watch <laughs> uh, Sunset Beach. But God, I try to think back now over the rest of the characters that stood out. And then like in the newer ones, I like really dislike Dorit, like as you do, I think, with the first season of the new characters. Mm hmm. Like when they're trying so hard and they're kind of trying to find their place and you're like, oh, rolling your eyes. But I've grown to sort of like her. Like is, a, is the wrong word. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy her on screen. <laughs> That's the most Housewives fan comment ever. It's not that I like them, but I, I value their presence on my television. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I like any of them because I think as you start watching, you learn. Because at the start, you're like, I like this person. I like that person. And anyone you know who's watched the show gives you that like, mm-hmm, that knowing look. <laughs> yeah, that like, yeah, you don't know what, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I was an Erica stan. And obviously now you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have uh, gone on about how much I liked Erica because like she's obviously Erica. But like you don't you learn along the way that you don't like them. You just appreciate what they bring to the show. And I think Beverly Hills, they just they all are in it to like play the housewives role really well. I think they all understand how to maybe a bit too much and that became kind of apparent in the last few seasons that they understand the importance of like carving out their story a bit too much yeah it's it's i guess a product of even just them being in the biz or something it kind of it can feel a bit stagey but i that's the highs and lows of that show i suppose yeah but like i love when they anytime they go on trips i mean the trips are brilliant um and then at the beginning, I wasn't sure about the reunions, but now like I live for the reunions, but I've learned to leave a gap in between because I think when you binge too quickly, you don't want to watch the reunion because you've watched it all too recently. Well, my pro tip at reunions, particularly if you've binged the season, is just skip all the clip packages because then the episode's like half an hour as well. It cuts to 10 minutes out. You're like, I don't need to see what happened this season because I watched it three days ago. <laughs> oh, but I feel like a bad, a bad fan if I don't like, watch every episode or no i mean the you know when they go this season yeah you just skip those two minutes because you don't like you've just seen all that footage so like they show a reaction cam in the bottom of the screen but i'm like they're gonna come back to the actual reaction once that clip package is finished like that shaves like about five minutes ten minutes off an episode because you realize those reunions are padded with a lot of this season this happened because i assume in the u.s it's for someone who was watching it over six to eight months so i could understand but for us it's like uh, i watched that already yeah and then who else i adrian i was never a fan of like mm-hmm. i was kind of glad to see the back of her i felt a bit sorry for her in the end though because um she just acted i just think she wanted it too much <laughs> and like she wanted to be she didn't understand why she wasn't sort of more of a fan favorite or why people didn't like her but she was just kind of too annoying and then like oh Camille was the worst I really was glad to see the back of her I just I really dislike any of the housewives that have these really housewifey and I know that's a contradiction but you really believe in their role as a housewife and like the husband is the most important Mm. and you see it in the way she everything was just about her husband and making sure his life was perfect when obviously he was off doing whatever so I kind of that sort of annoyed me about her and then who else is there Taylor I you just have to feel sorry for Taylor don't you 
Yeah, I'm so curious. She's going to be on um, the next Ultimate Girls Trip season, and I'm just so curious. I've seen the odd interview with her over the years, but like where to watch her back on camera and see where she is now will be very interesting because she went through an awful lot. Like it, watching that, and no one told me about that. Is that season three? Kind of two and three, yeah. Like that would you wouldn't allow that on television now. I think part of the like not the problem, but like I think people who watch it now don't realize it was a big controversy at the time. And in fact, at the top of season two, originally when it aired in the US originally, they did like a scene that was the women coming together to talk about Russell's death after filming it happened and then it was like okay flashback nine months later and then they played the whole season out and they there was talk of them cancelling the show pulling the season and the network argued well actually this is showing the side of it of an abusive relationship and this woman getting through it like we want to honor the story but like it was very controversial so now i don't as you say i don't know if they'd even be allowed to film it now but i like truly i don't know how it would play out in today's landscape and even the, I think about that about Kim as well. Like it was so obvious watching it that she was drinking in so many of the scenes. And like, you just think about it now. I don't think you'd be able to, you'd get in so much, production would get in so much trouble because it's so obvious to watch it back. Yeah, yeah, it definitely, some of that does feel, even though it's only really 10 years ago, it does feel like a different time. Um, another show that you've you've watched quite a bit of and is one of the newer entries. I mean, it's not that new in that they're on like, I think season six into seven nearly now, but like you've watched the first four seasons of Potomac. How did that contrast with Beverly Hills for you and what stood out to you about that show? Oh, I love Potomac. And it, like what I was saying there about the cities being familiar to you, obviously Beverly Hills, New York, I was like, no idea where Potomac is. Wasn't even sure how do you pronounce it? Yes. Uh, where is this place? Googled it, still sort of <laughs> no idea. No one I talk to ever knows where it is, but I kind of liked them all like off the bat straight away because they feel like, first of all, you're disappointed when they're not as rich as you want them to be. Because I will always Google like how much they're worth and what their houses are worth and how much money they have. And you're like, I kind of want to watch the opulence, but they're still quite showy and fun. And yeah, I really enjoyed them. I think I'm up to date up to season. I haven't watched the most recent season of that that everyone has been raving about where there's like the big the big fight in the vineyard because I think I binged on it too much and I was like there's a lot of fighting in Potomac like a lot of screaming um there was anyway the last season that I watched between um Ashley and Candace and Monique and mm-hmm. I was like I needed a bit of a break from that but I love the rest the, the Karen and um Giselle storyline is just brilliant like they like hate and love each other and need each other (laughs) yeah yeah and you're like and I think they set that up like in a very early episode they go for it's a Karen's someone's birthday Karen's birthday and Giselle sits in the wrong place and she orders her food before Karen comes and I think they set up their sort of rivalry very well early and yeah I always enjoy seeing what they're going to get up to yeah they have such history together and I do think when you go back to watch the kind of other two seasons that are like post like sorry five and six I think you'll see they even still delve into that and they sort of always see how far they can push the line of their friendship slash enemy ship frenemy ship and then bring it back which is really interesting and it's always nice to see like in Potomac I think they are are actually friends like obviously Giselle and Robin are friends Mm -hmm. whereas like Beverly Hills the friendships are often like 
totally forced. You don't imagine they see each other a whole lot outside of filming. Whereas in Potomac, I think they're actually hanging out a bit more. But I just, I could, yeah, I could get, I could watch a lot more Potomac because you still don't feel like you know an awful lot about the place. Mm -hmm. And especially when the last few years on all the franchises, they haven't been out and about. They haven't been at events and things. I feel like you've really missed the, you know, when they say the extra characters, whatever city they're in. And I feel like we've missed that in the last few years when they've just been kind of forced to have these eerily quiet, like, lunches in places. We've watched Beverly Hills, which is one established franchise, and another very established franchise, of course, is New York City. Um, I think you've watched all of that, so I'm so curious what you made of all of New York City because it's a show that starts out as one of the first ones and it's a bit rough and ready and then it evolves into its own unique beast. So I'm so curious how you feel about having binged all of it. Uh, to go from Beverly Hills to New York at the <laughs> beginning is really jarring because you're like, it's so old and it's so like, it's so dated and the fashion, like I find some of that fashion hard to watch because it's stuff you would have worn like, oh, just horrible knee-high boots and kind of satin skirts or shirts you thought were gorgeous and they're wearing all this weird style that you remember too well and then also I think they weren't very glamorous I know I sound like I just want them all to be really glam but like that's part of housewives isn't it um I remember I think Bethany's house like her apartment was so tiny I couldn't understand like why she was on the first season but then obviously I learned about how the first season wasn't intentionally a housewives show mm -hmm. i don't think no it was a different show and they renamed it in post-production which apparently some of the women weren't happy about because at the time real housewives of oc was an, a newer thing so like definitely when you watch it now expecting opulence you're like oh these are like very normal homes that they're in but well until like jill zarin did her refurb which i can never forget <laughs> Do <you> remember like <laughs> And the place she had, I just remember so clearly she had this like coffee table that spelt out pop in like, it was like a kind of mirrored like coffee table, but it was P-O-P. <laughs> it was like, it was horrific. And like, I loved how New York it was, um, like with Jill and Bobby and like, I really enjoyed early Bethany. Um, like Bethany when she was like really, putting in the hard work, the hustle, the graft, like when she was doing uh, like sampling in supermarkets and all that random stuff. It was so like bizarre to, it's so bizarre to watch that now. And like, you kind of feel proud of her to see how far she's come, mm. even though she's like one of the most annoying people on the screen. Yeah, she's definitely done a lot. And then in terms of other characters on New York, who else stood out to you? Because obviously, say Luan and Sonia and Ramona go on these journeys and we meet newer people like Carol and Leah as we go as well. Like when I was thinking about this for you, I was thinking New York, I think, is my favorite because like when I think about the characters, I kind of have to struggle to think back to Beverly Hills of people that I liked. But in New York, I'm like, oh, God, I, Dorinda, like she was so she just gave so much. And even towards the end, when she kind of lost it a little bit, I was just like, I loved seeing what she got up to. I loved the Berkshires and her entertaining and like you feel like she'd really look after you if you went and stayed there and she had all her catchphrases like make it nice and all that stuff I just think she was brilliant TV Luan like really unlikable but incredible television and <laughs> like Ramona is horrible but like I appreciate what she 
brings to the whole thing. Uh, I even liked Carol, even though I don't know if she really gelled with everybody. Do you know what I miss is the really early days of New York. Do you know when they were a little bit more carefree and a bit looser? And I know I shouldn't say it was great when they were all drinking because I know a few of them are sober now. But like when they were having those nights out and you really felt like anything could happen. And like they're all going out trying to get the shift from the same fellas in the same places, in the same bars. Like that was all so hectic. I really enjoyed. I don't know what seasons that was, but when they were don't think they were as conscious as they are now of like who they are and sort of what it means to be kind of New York housewife. But yeah, and Sonia, I just think you can never get enough of Sonia. The I love how they film her in the townhouse, just doing whatever. Like, I don't know, she might be like cleaning her curtains one day <laughs> or like, I don't know, do something with the dogs or like, she's just, I think it's, it, eternally watchable as a character and you feel sorry for her because you could tell she's so nice like but she's just a bit well more than a little bit she's just a bit desperate and impressionable she's also as you say she's kind of a universe onto herself you could just train a camera on her pattern around her home and you're like weirdly fascinated it's you're so right it's like she can kind of do anything and i'm like what is going through this woman's head she's a true eccentric i think and that's probably what sonia's appeal is and i think dorinda's like that as well i'd watch yeah. dorinda do anything and also their sort of periphery people, like they were always bringing in really out there people into the fold, like even like Dorinda's terrible boyfriend and like Sonia always had whoever she had in the townhouse, somebody staying or whoever it was Frenchy or whatever guys she had on the go. Hmm. They were always good value, whoever they brought in. They weren't bringing people in for showmanship I didn't think they were genuinely bringing in people that were in their lives and that always made for entertainment you've also watched all of Salt Lake City and I mean did you have a sense of of Salt Lake City as a place before you watched that or was it like Potomac where you're like I know nothing about this so like let me see what's going on here no I don't think I knew anything I you know you knew a little bit like about Mormon and Utah but nothing else and like Salt Lake City was just absolutely brilliant <laughs> I was like, it is so entertaining and like the backdrop of it you know it looks fake all the houses with the gorgeous snow-capped mountains in the background and they have and I know they sort of live in like the countryside but the size of the houses and like it was interesting because obviously they've come into it with uh, much more knowledge of what it means to be in a show like this but I still think it's cast very well and I definitely don't think any of them are very likable like you I don't think you'd want to be friends with any of them but you definitely want to watch them like you know it's 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 a crazy lineup like when you think about it like Mary I'm totally baffled as to how they got Mary and how she ended up on it and you know the rest of them you can understand but Mary always kind of surprises me I'm like what's she doing there why is she I, I don't think she understands what's going on half the time yeah, there was a sense of like, do you know there's a camera on you? Like truly, like we talked about an eccentric with Sonia, but like that's a true eccentric. Yeah, she genuinely doesn't know what's happening. I don't think I was like, I had a lot of fun watching her. And then like Whitney, um, I think in every franchise, there's like the youngest cast men- member who really is desperate for the respect of like whoever the older 
queen bee and in you know in this it's Whitney kind of wants everybody to like her and the way she's so desperate for Lisa and Meredith just to like give her any ounce of respect or time or anything and like the, every franchise seems to have that I think um, I always think that was Dorit when she first came into um, when she first came into Beverly Hills and I feel like that was she really wanted Lisa Vanderpump to love her and obviously that they didn't in the end and that was kind of how Lisa ended up leaving which I was kind of happy about because she tried to take down Dorit I think I don't know if that's actually what happened but that's what happened in my head but I Whitney I feel like oh god just stop trying so hard um and then Heather like she's the likable one isn't she I think does everybody like Heather I feel like she sort of is an Eileen character, but I've, I mean, I've said this in the podcast recently. I do think she's got a little bit of a, a mean streak, but I think broadly speaking, she's the most normal and, and point of view character for us of, of that particular group. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying about worrying about, you worry about giving yourself to one of them and liking them too much. And then you're like, what's going to happen next season? Because that's basically what happens, isn't it? They build someone up to like this sense of security and then the next time it's like totally gone. But like, I wasn't surprised with Jen and all the craziness because like she was always going to have, I think, a wild storyline. But, and then the other two, like actually Lisa and Meredith just, except for the voices it took me so long to differentiate between them you know when you're watching them at the start I was like I think that nearly happens in most of the franchises I remember at the start I was like that between like Sonia and Ramona and like until their characters come out you're sort of pausing it and going who's that again who's yeah. that I think that's but, honestly why they put their names on screen so much even though it feels really obvious I think they want to hammer it home you're watching this person now because I think it's particularly when the cast get very big you're like wait where am I what scene is this yeah it does it gets confusing and um I yeah they're just I mean I'm I, I think did you enjoy Salt Lake City I did I think like a lot of people I think season two felt a little bit too long and a bit too chaotic by the end but like it's still a very like it's still a fascinating show even when it's a bit all over the place well I suppose it was very like drama heavy at the top because you had Jen Shah and all that drama oh god the fashion like Mary and the outfits like watching the wardrobe scenes with her and how she can have that many clothes in that many rooms oh I don't know I love all the difference like how the the you know whoever's most fashionable in each franchise would be so out of place in another franchise like yeah. they all have very they, <laughs> I keep on thinking about that and I'm like but what about if like what they wear in Beverly Hills you're like you wouldn't wear that in New York and the stuff they wear in Salt Lake City you certainly I don't know where you'd wear that anywhere else like they're so there's there was a lot of so many feathers and bling and just like every day I do enjoy their ski gear, though. Yes, and the ski gear is definitely a fashion element that you would rarely see in other housewives bar, maybe the odd cast trip. So that does add a fun layer of like, oh, they have actual ski wardrobes. And th- that was the reason I started watching it. I actually heard um, Laura DeBarra talking about it on your podcast, and she was describing them skiing from like, <laughs> one mansion to the other. And I was like... I- I have to see this. I have to watch <laughs> yeah. it. There you go. That Laura, we have Laura to thank for that joy. Another city that you delved into was season four of Miami. I did the same when it aired this, well, I get, yeah, this year, kind of tail end of last year into this year. Um, I really enjoyed 
the sort of setup of it, the location, the glamour, the mix of people in the cast. I was curious what you made of season four of Miami. Oh my God, I love Miami. I Maybe I had a bit of um, housewives fatigue and I was like, I need to get back into one of them because I feel like you need to have one on the go. Yeah. Um, and I just started watching it and straight away for me, the accents, like I can't get enough of the Cuban accents and like the Haitian accents. I just, I could listen to them all day. Yeah, it's a real I mix it. of, of people from different backgrounds. And I love that Alexia Marisol sometimes will just casually speak a little bit of Spanish to each other. And it's obviously just how they chat to each other. Like it's very natural. Like I, and I love that the show just subtitles, it doesn't make a big deal out of it. I'm like, this is really cool. This is just how they communicate. I love that. And I, like, cause you always think there hasn't really been that much in the other franchises mm-hmm. or there might be like one person, but because the majority of people like they all are, I think, Cuban or Haitian or it's just I love watching them. And like they have that brilliant Miami style, which is just like fascinating to watch. But yeah, there's so much. Alexia is, again, one of the ones I'm like, I love her. Is she really going to be as great as she seems? But everyone seems to like her. Yeah. And she got I mean. She puts it out there, talking about living your life on camera. Jesus, the stuff that happens to her in that season alone. And then she's like, oh, well, yeah. And then the eight years since we were off, this and this happened. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And she says it so, like, matter of fact. And I think in the reunion, Andy said to her that her life was like a telenovela. And I was like, it really is. Now, I don't know much about telenovela apart from watching Jane the Virgin. But... That's what I imagine it's going yeah. to be like. <laughs> it's a soap. I mean, a telenovela is effectively a soap opera and her life is a soap opera. So I was like, that's a, an excellent uh, comparison on Andy's part. Oh my God, at her house, that first time you see her, where she lives in that apartment, so there's like the elevator for the cars. And then she walks from like the car garage out in there. I'm like, this is amazing. I was like Googling that straight away. How much is that? Properties um, in Dublin with a car lift. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Oh my God. I imagine it's more affordable in Miami. Um, <laughs> it probably is. You can probably rent a mansion in Miami for what you get a two bed for in Dublin at the moment. Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> and then, oh, who else is in Miami? I just There's love There's Larsa, uh, Julia. You have Julia's wife, Martina, obviously. You have oh my God. Nicole, Ju- who I really like. Yeah, Julia. Gertie. Give me all the Julia. Like, it was so funny, first of all, to see Martina Navratilova. You're like, what? You do that yeah. double take. Yeah. It's really great to see, like, a same-sex marriage on one of the shows, which is brilliant. And, like, Julia is a little bit fish out of water, isn't she? Because she's seems a bit more, like her face moves she seems a bit more like <laughs> face moves <laughs> oh, you always... frown lines <laughs> i know i always think that when i look at her i'm like what's wrong with her but it's actually like she smiles and her eyes crinkle which there's not another housewife who has a crinkle when they smile it's funny too because her main beef this season is with larsa who looks amazing but larsa's look is very obviously because she was friends with kim like that kim k kind of perfectly matte face where there's no kind of visible emotion really so I just loved the contrast Larsa's like you just don't like me and Julia like Larsa Larsa like just the sort of contrast was funny to me (laughs) and you have you have Larsa and Adriana to have that like confusion because they're similar in sort of stature and hair color and sort of look although like Larsa is the much more uh, coiffed version of Adriana 
which obviously they've sort of made into a storyline that Adriana is really jealous of her. <laughs> yeah. Um, which Adriana, I don't have any time for. And like, I, I don't think I, oh, she just, she's too hectic for me. And Larsa, I don't like, I think I couldn't get over. You know what I was saying about Camille and that really like putting husbands on pedestals. And Larsa still has this like dedication to her ex-husband. And yeah talks about the respect for marriage and your husband's and you're like ah oh, like love look at all the stuff you've done and you, you don't you can't be on that high horse anymore when you're yeah. divorced and then when she made those comments about the children out of wedlock I was just like why would you say that and does she really think it and she said something else to when Alexa got married to Todd, and then I think at the reunion, she said something like, oh, well, Todd, like, he's the boss now. And, like, I think Larissa really believes those old-fashioned values. I also kind of got the impression, first of all, I was very naive when she mentioned her ex-husband. I knew vaguely that she was married to, like, a famous sports star. But when I Googled him, I was like, oh, she was married to one of the top athletes. Like, it was, this was no small, like... Not to sound rude, but like it wasn't some <laughs> random dude who played. He was like, you know, fifth. I don't know what the terms are, but like lower down in the rankings. Like this was one of the big. Like he was effectively like alongside Michael Jordan in terms of yeah. success. I was like, okay, in my head, I was like, does she feel this kind of need to kind of be still a bit kind of deferential to him? A because she doesn't want to come across as a quote unquote gold digger, and because she was part of a very big relationships. I guess I don't know. I, to me, it reads like she's trying to separate herself from you know, this era of like Instagram models who are seen to go after basketball players. And she's like, oh, no, no, I was married to one way before then. But it comes off kind of weirdly old fashioned and a bit judgmental versus I think like, I'm a bit like, let it go. You do OnlyFans and you've got a mansion. Who cares? I'm like, <laughs> sell your fee pics. Who cares? I'm very like, whatever. Larsa, no one's judging you. Yeah. But to be fair, what you're saying there is right. I suppose you have to think that she was married to him for like 20 plus years and they yeah. had four kids. And for a lot of that, she was like probably a mom and a housewife well as much as you can be and she sure wasn't she had. yeah she wasn't even on I I I mean the hardcore fans of Miami would be annoyed that I don't know this off the top of my head but she didn't do every season of the original series either and so I even think the women are a bit like like oh well you bailed before and it's like well she probably didn't her husband probably didn't like her doing a reality show the way some of you did so it's funny seeing her now and like even just realizing this is not said with any judgment but that like she's in her 40s and she or is she yeah she's like late 40s it's like it's crazy it's cr like it's crazy because she looks like a 22 year old who shops a pretty little thing it's mental she looks incredible yeah so she i don't know does. she's she's a funny character for me in that she's a bit blank and a bit judgmental but then a bit like the kardashians i do find her oddly fascinating and i don't know what it is Oh yeah, I, I like even though she annoys me, she's like you want her yeah. to be on screen. You're yeah, like you want you want more of her, and I do love the ones that even though she keeps on claiming she doesn't want anyone to talk about Kim and Kanye and any of her other famous friends, you know she does want to talk about them because that yeah. differentiates, <laughs> that differentiates her from Adriana that she knows these like a-listers so she's gonna keep on dropping those names in so you want to watch that but like lisa is the one in that that i'm like oh i don't know i couldn't tell you anything about lisa the the awkward husband scenes yeah oh. i feel like lisa's vibe is just that she looks super miami and glam but when we're trying to land down in the storyline i'm a bit like 
compared to say Nicole and Gertie, these newer characters who like are so vibrant, I'm a bit like, I don't quite know what Lisa's role is here. And I think, have Lisa and the husbands like broken up since then? No, I don't think so. They're back filming and I believe they're still oh. together. So I'm not sure. But like they have tried to imply that they're, I don't I don't know if it's her just going in for a storyline. But anyway. No, my prediction is they will break up. Because I was thinking <gasps> back about anyone who had those awkward husbands and wife scenes. Like I can barely talk about it because I'm still traumatized. Do you remember like the Ramona and Mario? Yes. Like sexy scenes where... Oh. Like, so she did, it was terrible. Camille and Kelsey, when they used to make them have awkward scenes. Oh, and then I hate them. Whitney and your man, when they did that, oh, I can't even talk about that scene in Salt Lake City. Do you know when Whitney is, I think, waiting for him to come home? Ashley does it as well with her horrible husband. Who she's They're now like, finally revealed she's divorcing. I could not be happier. <gasps> not really? to, yeah, only broke a few days ago. And it, by the time this comes out, it'll be have been used for uh, for a few weeks, I would imagine. But like she announced, uh, confirmed that they're getting a divorce and they're filming a new season at the moment. So I'm like, Ashley, now is your I'm time, so, girl. Now is your I'm time. So happy not to gloat, not to gloat, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but I'm happy for her because Ashley feels like one of those people you're like, I like her, but like, can you really like her if she's foolish enough to be married to yeah, him? Yeah, fully. Yeah. And like I don't I think obviously it was she it was great that he was it was a car a reason she was with him was probably because he had loads of money, but I don't think it was the only reason. I think she tried hard. Yeah. But like Oh, good. Oh, I'm happy for Ashley. There you go. There we've, we, that's like live reaction here in the podcast, break, breaking us some news to you. <laughs> I'm literally like, I'm delighted. I'd like, <laughs> might send her a DM. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Well done, babes. Um, I really want to talk to you about food because obviously it's a big part of what you write about and it's, uh, I, I suppose, your career and what you do for a living. Um, so you have a background in food TV production and food styling, which obviously I'm guessing applies to like cooking programs and ads and that kind of thing. But obviously... Yeah. And Housewives, like, we know that things in that show are produced. Like, okay, production is maybe sending them somewhere for a girl's trip and then they fit a narrative of why they're going. Or, you know, they'll someone will have lunch and invite all the cast over and it's for the show. But obviously, when there's food in those scenes, it's food they've ordered in or someone's made. I'm guessing that's that stuff isn't food styled in the same way. Am I right in thinking, even though it's on TV, am I right in thinking that? Oh, yeah, I don't think it's styled at all. I doubt they would have a food stylist on board no i think it's just as it is and as a food stylist then like as someone who's maybe seen ads and gone oh they did a great job with that plate of bacon when you see food on a housewives are you like oh my god what i wouldn't give <laughs> to go in and fix this <laughs> no because i'm like i love all the food on it i'm okay. like <laughs> i think i think it's like the places that they go they always go nice places like i do it does what does upset me is the plates they put together at home you know when they're like someone's yeah, coming over yeah. someone's coming over for the drink and the gossip and they're opening their wine and they're putting together like their charcuterie board and they're putting together stuff you're like that doesn't go together like <laughs> you know, I try to think of an example of that but you're like oh you know there's a certain way you should put things together and you're like are you really going to eat that and they do like they do horse into those like nibbles that they put out when they're having those kind of gossipy catch-ups don't they and I love them I always loved in um, New York my most I'm most jealous of and this goes back to like the Beverly Hills and watching the OC and everything is like really expensive takeout yes like high-end stuff (laughs) 
I remember watching like nine or two and oh, and they'd be bringing like salads in a plastic bowl to school, and you'd be like, that is so glamorous. And I feel like in New York, they don't really cook, do they? They all just eat really high end takeout. I think that you know, you definitely get the sense that like there'll be a. Uh a takeaway thing on the table and it's like you look at the logo and go that's like a high that's like getting just eat from like a five-star restaurant you're like yeah. okay yeah and they're always like really nice looking sushi and yeah i'm like i love and i know you've had the guy from housewives orders on like, Kai, yes like, yes oh my god like that's just one of my favorite instagrams i love <laughs> that because i will like you do stop and look at where they are or what they're eating and like I think it's affected how some people eat and drink as well. That's so true. What are what are ways in which you think that it's affected the way people eat and drink? Or have you ever felt even in the last two years and obviously with restaurants reopening, have you ever thought I'm gonna go more like housewives and get this or that? Yeah, like <laughs> it really. I I have this theory that like it's a bit like the Sex in the City of the moment. So yeah, you remember when Sex in the City and obviously everyone started drinking Cosmos and then. Magnolia Bakery caused the cupcake craze that is still here. Yes, I was just in um, Magnolia a couple weeks ago in New York. Even at eight o'clock at night, it's busy. I was like, okay. And that <laughs> they're was the they're sex, not playing the around. The, yeah, the Sex in the City effect. And even yes. like you remember the restaurants that they would go to in Sex in the City. So they went to like bed, then everybody would go there. They went to like that raw restaurant and then that was really busy. And I do feel like, like definitely margaritas. Like I think I would say that's the popularity in margaritas because like every person my age now I know is drinking margaritas and they wouldn't have done before. Popularity mm. tequila. I was just going to say tequila. They always drink tequila on these shows. I was like, tequila is like the housewife in all the franchises. <laughs> <laughs> like they all have a tequila relationship, I think, in everyone. And it's brilliant. But I do think it's like made tequila because it would have been a really like... You would have drank tequila as shots, wouldn't you, a yes. few years ago? And it'd be like kind of a messy night. But the way they order it, specifically Denise Richards, and oh, we didn't even talk about her, how annoying she is. And <laughs> Casamigos Reposado. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, that's burned she... into my brain, Casamigos Reposado. And she's so rude to the waiter when he brings her the Blanco when they're, I can't remember in where New they York. are. They're in New York. But yeah. you know what? I remember when they left that in, and it was her second season, and we knew she was going to get a rough ride I remember thinking they've left that in to start laying the, the train tracks of her being difficult I was like she probably did that all the time last season and they cut it out you know when you watch the show and you go ah that's editors gone make her look bad because <laughs> yeah. she was being rude but like I feel like sometimes they don't leave in that stuff I was like mm, that felt like a choice oh totally and you could totally tell who the producers like and who they don't like like yeah, for sure. because they have control of what they leave in and out and it's so telling the restaurant ordering and how they order and how they act in restaurants and they leave it in in all the shows and obviously it's a big part of housewives which is why like there's you know the, uh, the cookbook that i was talking about on the radio recently the cook it spill it throw it the not yes. the real housewife cookbook like in that andy cohen does the forward and he says like they deliberately leave in scenes because they feel like it tells you so much about the characters yeah and like it definitely does. how they act in restaurants and just all the drama happens around the dinner table or the breakfast table or wherever they happen to be eating they're always eating and drinking the drinks is, i think the drinks definitely 
like the oh Ramona and her Pinot Grigio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a big storyline. Do you God, have P- Do you have Pinot Grigio? Like when she asked that straight away, I love when they leave that in of her going, "Do you have Pinot Grigio?" <laughs> Thank God that finished eventually, and like. Uh, Lisa Vanderpump's rosé like did you not always want to have a glass of rosé when you were when that came on screen and I was watching it during lockdown so I probably did drink a lot of rosé while I was watching it I partook in some Vanderpump rosé in lockdown because hey you sent me a bottle years ago oh my god I think it might have even been this time last year probably maybe like February March but I had the bottle and I was like you know what at some point I'm gonna have to drink I still have the actual bottle it's like displayed in my home because it's so camp but like I was like I'm gonna have to actually drink this at some point so I did partake it's fine I definitely had a bit of a hangover the next day it tasted nice I'm not a big rosé head so I was like I'm not the person to give like a detailed review but I definitely felt like I had a hangover from hell after drinking it how many years old was it I um I would have been gifted it in like maybe 2019 20 like probably yeah, you see, rosé is the kind of wine that, like, you drink young. Okay, so yeah, that's, I'm, I'm, like, the bottle's out of reach from where I am talking to you now, and I'm, like, after this, I'm going to look at the label and go, hmm, and investigate. Like, don't get me wrong, I wasn't, like, I think also I have probably had the bottle over a few nights, and I'm not a big drinker, and I think also I'm just not used to drinking wine at home, so I think I was, like, I could have drank any, any rosé and felt a bit iffy after. But it was nice. I'm oh. sure real fans would tell you, if it's a good rosé or not. But I was like, it's not bad. I like the Kylie Minogue ones better, I will say that. Oh, yeah. That's, that's, it is actually nice. You wouldn't last very long as a housewife if you can't drink wine. I know, I know. I I think I'd be the one slamming tequila or throwing it into a cocktail and going, let's do cocktails. I think that would be my uh, poison if I was on Housewives. They do, like, the drinking is brilliant. Um, but when you were saying that about, do you think it's affected, like, how we order? Like, I went out with my friends when we had the break for Christmas lockdown last year and we mm. hadn't seen each other and we both watched all of Beverly Hills and we did go out and like order margaritas and then like we didn't do it but we were taking the piss like let's order appetizers for the table and we're just like you want to say it and you're like you'd feel really fabulous just ordering one of everything like yeah. I do enjoy that I love like Bethany's very good at ordering and making sure everybody has food and I think I'm always looking out for who's going to be the one who's brave enough to order the chips yes <laughs> yeah yeah because they're always like what someone always orders something like a full fat coke and I'm like you're damn right you will yes get the full fat coke like oh oh when Erica ordered the beer do you remember that yeah I have a beer I was like oh okay she's a cool girl <laughs> and then Dorit like, Dorit yeah. is like clapping beside her she's like oh my god a beer oh, how you're exciting. so mad a beer wow and then that weird flashback I used to go to keggers I was like okay whatever Dorit I don't want to hear about this <laughs> as if you drank beer so, like you could tell so much by how they order and that's I think why I like Heather because in Salt Lake City she orders a lot of food I don't know if you've noticed that Heather no, would be I love like, it about her, yeah. And she's like, Heather's are you going like, to finish that? <laughs> and the chips. And, the chi- and, and can we get more bread? And can we get that? But yeah, because I had said my hot tip for the next drink that was going to come from it was hot toddies. Because they started really heavy on the hot toddies at the start of the last season of Beverly Hills. Do you remember? Oh, Eric going, can I get a hot toddy? I'll have a hot yeah. toddy. And if people started wondering... Was there a significance because she was ordering it so like it felt like such was it almost like an affectation? She was trying to appear cool or like, I don't know. I always thought it was so odd. Well, I thought I read somewhere that this I can't remember this story exactly. So bear with me that 
she actually had decided to order it because it's not served in a glass. So it looks like she's not drinking. But then maybe the producers caught on to that and kept in her ordering. You That's know? so true. I hadn't thought of that, that it, how it's presented. That's a good point. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't yeah. look like she's got a, like a, a, a heavy, serious drink in her hand. But then they obviously, maybe that's why they kept on putting her in order because they were like, we're not going to let you get away with that. God, that's so interesting. Um, there You mentioned Cook It, Spill It, Throw It There, which is obviously like an unofficial kind of Housewives parody cookbook uh, by Amy Phillips and Stuart O'Keefe, who were, if people haven't heard, were on the podcast a while ago. You can check out their episode. That book... I mean, you've, you've praised it here. You mentioned it on a piece you did for Dave Fanning show recently, and I know it's done very well in the US. There's been a handful of Housewives cookbooks where like Teresa uh, Judice from Jersey and LVP have released cookbooks. And I think there's recipes and a few other books some of the Housewives have put out. But if if you were to walk into a bookshop tomorrow and you could have, let's just say they, they told you there's Housewives cookbooks upstairs, which real Housewives would you want to have a cookbook from? Like who would be ones you'd love to see some recipes from? Well, I was really disappointed because when I was doing that piece for about the other cookbook, I looked up the rest of them and I was like, oh, Dor- Dorinda has a book called Make It Nice. And I was like, fantastic. It's not a cookbook. No, it's I, a memoir. It's, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I downloaded it and I read um, the first, sped read the first few pages, but I don't think I have the stomach to read uh, Housewives memoir. Um, but I was really disappointed it wasn't a cookbook. I'd love a Dorinda, like Berkshire's mm-hmm. Make It Nice and like her kind of, you know, her party tips and her gathering. Because I genuinely think she does it. Like she genuinely cooks and hosts parties, whereas everyone else just orders in, I think. Um, and like Lisa Vanderpump's book, I had a look at and I was like her entertaining tips. Oh, my God. Lisa, like for all the glamour she wants to exude, like it looks like she got everything in her house and in a book from the range, you know, like, <laughs> you know, or home store and more, you know, it's all about like, <laughs> home store and more. you know, the way there's like those aisles of like pink plates and uh, I don't know, disco ball chargers and just stuff like live, laugh, live, love, laugh in the background, like i was like i don't think she's glamorous at all so i wasn't into her book but i'd love to see one from dorinda and like i do wish that sonia had it gone through with her toaster oven launch and cookbook that would have been amazing oh that would have been so fun i feel like i just it was so bizarre because i was like what is a toaster oven because we obviously don't use them in ireland and in america they're very common but i did love the fact that she lived in this like huge townhouse and she's like I don't like to turn, you know, she's always money saving. Um, she could have a money saving, <laughs> how to be a, a penny pinching millionaire. I don't know. <laughs> she's like, don't turn on the Viking. Like she has that massive, huge stove. She's, don't turn on the Viking. I use the toaster oven instead. It's much easier. So yeah, I'd love to see both of them. Actually, I'd never thought of a Dorinda cookbook, but now that you say it, just because oh. she's known for entertainment and you could do like the Berkshire's, like she do a cookbook maybe about the Berkshires and then because she lives in the city and has an apartment, like what does she cook? Maybe those are meals for like one person and a friend coming over. Like there's like different, I feel like she could do and then maybe it's like cooking for like large family gathering. I just feel like you could actually get a few cookbooks out of her. Yeah. And I was, one I was surprised it didn't show up either was, I don't know why Adam didn't, uh, remember Carol's boyfriend, yeah. Adam? What happened I to their cookbook? He, <laughs> I know. I don't know why he didn't capitalize on his little moment in the sun with Carol. And like, it could, it must have been better than, I haven't read her book, but I imagine her book she was writing 
is terrible. But like Adam's cookbook surely could have done well. Adam's salads or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's such potential. Like I'm sure, and I'm sure knowing how like opportunistic all the housewives tend to be, it's as because it's part of the job. I'm sure they've all pitched a million different ideas. But like Dorinda, it does feel like a bit of a no-brainer. Maybe a cocktail book from like, some of them as well could be fun. I mean, some of the Vanderpump Rules kids have done that. I feel like you could do a caviar cookbook, like a hundred ways of caviar, because like the especially recently, I feel like everyone's been obsessed with caviar. Yeah, and that's very housewives as well. It's so housewives. The what was it recently in the Miami? Because I only watched Miami recently, so that's really fresh in my mind. Where they have Alexia's like hen party, and the next morning they have the caviar guy come. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's on all the and um, Mary Sal's brought her own um, Versace crockery. It's very I forgot, funny. Oh, I loved, I loved that trip in the mansion. It was amazing. Um, let's before we wrap, there's a few things I want to ask you. This one, I I think you've studied such a broad range of the shows. I think you're more than ready for this one. What would your housewives tagline be, and why? Okay, well, this took a long time now to think <laughs> of, and I was like, it had to be something food something kitcheny so i have to give some credit to my friend connor because he helped me but we came up with the only thing that's spilt in my kitchen is the tea oh i like that that's good yeah. that's good and it's it's food it's drama it's all things we want from housewives yeah so we had a, like a lot of other food pun related ones but they 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 involve too much explaining and i think the best time <laughs> You know the way some of the taglines like you ha- they need a bit of explaining. Um, so I think they're better when they just would work in any capacity. So yeah, I was quite happy with that one. I'm glad you like it. Strong work, strong work. So this question I ask everybody, but I feel like it's so perfect for for you and what you write about and what your background is. You're having a dinner party. There's five people from Housewives coming over. As always, it can be the Housewives, it can be hangers on, it can be the husbands, friends of whoever. What five people are coming around to yours for dinner and why? I like really struggled with putting it down to five because <laughs> I was like, how can you pick five? And when you're thinking about like, who's going to be the most crack or who are you going to get the most gossip from or who's going to bring you the best like hostess gift as well? Because I think that's a, you could have a whole other, I think you could have a whole other episode just about what they bring and to each <laughs> yes. other. I'll always like, think of um when Laura was on the podcast, I think the second time and she was talking about like that as well. And she mentioned the time that Erica went over for dinner with nothing. And she said, hands dangling, as my mother would say. I was like, that is so, I still think about that all the time. Oh my God, we say that all the time. I'm like, I can't go there with my hands hanging. Yeah, she goes, hands dangling. And was it like hands dangling in a Cork accent? I was like, I've never heard this phrase, but it's so fitting. <laughs> I do remember that. Was it, was it Laura who said she like, will pause and like zoom in to see what they've handed over if they don't show it on camera. Yeah, she did. And that's absolutely something that I'm not even surprised when she said, I was like, of course you do. (laughs) Yeah, because I do that with like the food that they order. So if they're somewhere like interesting, I'm like, where is that? What are they eating? Look it up. Like, and I feel like everyone did that for, you know, that, oh, that really, really dramatic scene in Miami with Bethany when she screams at, um, Luan about cabaret oh yes and, and this the toasters <laughs> there's like everyone wants to google that the lobster pop tart and then they're still having this like screaming match and then the the toaster is on the table and Dorinda is in the background still eating away and you're like 
where is that? Now, it turns out it was a restaurant that doesn't look very exciting in Miami, but I still would order lobster Pop-Tarts if I ever saw them on a menu. They sound amazing. But sorry, the dinner party. <laughs> I was like, I def I was thinking about because Miami is fresh in my mind. And if I was going to pick one of them, I think I'd bring Mary Saul for sure. Because she always has that sippy cup. Like you feel like she just bring the booze. I feel like she doesn't really, she doesn't really give a fuck. She'll do whatever she wants and say whatever she wants. So I think she'd be great. And I think she'd never let there be a lull in the conversation. Like she would, she would stir up the drama and like she did that at one of their dinner parties she asks like awkward questions and she doesn't really care who she upsets so I'd be like she'd be my pick from Miami and then New York was really hard like but I think you'd have to invite Sonia because I was like she'd show up and she'd bring you something lovely and I think she'd either get really drunk or she'd be really entertaining or she would do something and I think like it sort of implied that she could bring a plus one and see who she brought along. But that wouldn't count as one of my guests. Is that okay? Okay, so yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, well, I just I, like, I'll allow it. <laughs> I just, I would just hope that Sonia brings someone random with her. Yes, of course. Yeah. And they might even just like hang out in your sitting room and just join you for appetizers or something, but they'd be a character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I think you have to have someone from Beverly Hills. And I would have originally wanted Erica until the last few seasons because I just think she would like show up in some steam ceiling outfit and most of the time she's entertaining but I think you'd have to invite Kyle again you'd hope that she would bring Kathy with her but I don't think you'd want Kathy on her own I think she'd be like a fish out of water yeah but I'd bring Kyle because the other two people I'd like to bring are Karen and Garcelle and I'd love to see them with Kyle because, you know, the way they're both competitive about which one of them is like the queen bee. And then I'm like, but Kyle is kind of the queen bee of like all the franchises. So I'd like to see how they'd all kind of act around each other. And then I feel like Mary Saul would just be throwing in digs to get them going. And Sonia would probably just be boozing and having a good time. I think that's a strong combination of personalities. But it's a very hard question because then I was like, oh, but maybe you want Rinna and Eileen. Yeah. <laughs> I think they'd be good crack. And like Bethany, even though she's annoying, old Bethany used to always be up for like a bit of a sesh. Yeah, and like, I know. I know. That's the thing. And that's funny. Even when guests come back a second time, they're like, they still find it hard the second time. I think because it's just there's so many combinations. That's why they're doing all these crossovers. There's so much potential in putting them all together. Yeah, and I did I did enjoy the girls' trip. I watched the whatever the last one was, the ultimate yeah. girls' trip. Um, and it's good to give you a taster of other franchises to watch. Yes, for sure. And actually, that was my next question. I was curious. You've watched quite a few cities, but there's obviously a handful that you've yet to dive into. I was wondering what's next on your Real Housewives journey. I, I think it's going to be Atlanta. Yes. Because when I think about like Atlanta goes way back doesn't it way back yeah it's one of the longest running shows yeah so I like that about New York that like you get to know like it's so old and then you bring it on so I think I've watched enough of sort of the newness with Salt Lake City and Miami so I want to go back to um yeah I'd like to start on Atlanta New Jersey I've never watched and I don't know how much of an appeal I have for it am I wrong should I watch it well weirdly I actually think it might 
even though it's not the most glamorous because it's very family based and particularly the early seasons are so about a close-knit Italian American family food is actually a big part of it I think weirdly you might enjoy the food aspect even if you don't like what they're making it's so integral to what they do so in an odd way I think if you're talking about dinners and foods and all sorry and food and all that like I think Jersey is one worth diving into even just to try yeah and it is true because I even though I haven't watched it like some of the stuff I know about like the cookies or yes you know about different things that have happened in New Jersey and they revolve around dinners and restaurants and stuff like that so I was gonna say the other one I tried was OC okay but I couldn't I think like I think you really have to for the very early seasons and stuff you have to just watch it just make force yourself to do it and I don't think I've had the time to do that with OC because it's not enjoyable the first season is it they're kind of like it's very old-fashioned now it is definitely more of a commitment than the other ones yeah but I do want to do it because I feel like I'm not like a true fan (laughs) I can talk about all of them and from from listening to you like I want to watch Melbourne yes um like I lived in Melbourne for a while and I just I love like the uh, Australian opulence is so different to American it is and and European and like I so I do want to watch that but yeah who knows like we need another lockdown because I can't find the time in the meantime I got started on below deck as well oh damn okay I had to to cut that off because I was like that's taking up too much time (laughs) so I need to go back to the housewives and yeah (laughs) it's a lot it's a lot to balance and before we wrap if people want to check out your work online or follow you where can they do that I'm mostly on Instagram and it's just Ali Dunworth and on Twitter, I think it's Ali Dunworth as well. That Alice Cooks on Twitter, but Ali Dunworth on Instagram. Listen, we have covered a lot of ground from Housewife Cities to like chats about food, which we, I could do all day. Um, Ali Dunworth, thank you very much for coming on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much. It's been very entertaining. And now I'm very hungry, actually. <laughs> yes, yeah, same. I'm like, what time could I have dinner? <laughs> Can I order some truffle fries? <laughs> Can I get a Casamigos Reposado? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, Connor. There you go. That's Ali Dunworth on Housewives of Me. You can follow Ali on Instagram at Ali Dunworth and on Twitter. She's that Alice Cooks as well. Links to the social media, of course, will be in the show notes for this episode. And you can follow this podcast on social media at Housewives of Me on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me. It's Connor Bean on Twitter and Instagram as well. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you felt like leaving a rating or a review, it really helps the show find new listeners. You can also rate the show on Spotify as well, if that's where you listen. And wherever you get your podcasts, make sure you follow, subscribe, whatever it is on that platform of choice because there are of course brand new episodes of this podcast available every single Tuesday so until next time thank you very much for listening stay safe and I'll talk to you soon